you you sort of merge into the traffic, so to speak. It's not like, oh, look, I've got my driver's permit. I'm going to drive to New York City. You know, that that's a whole different ball of wax. So you do take all those experiences and you fine tune them into something. But when it comes to short, or at least short story writing, I haven't so far jumped on anything larger than that. It is a lot of reaching into your own experiences, in my opinion, and just finding a way to put them on paper. Hi, this is Stephanie Fowler. And this is Tony Russo. And you're listening to another episode of So What's Your Story? A podcast in which we talk to authors and writers about their writing, the stories behind the story, the writing process, and any other sort of miscellaneous writing stuff that we want to talk about. Today on the podcast, we have Michael Sprouse, the first place winner in the Rehoboth Beach Reads Short Story Contest. You might recognize his voice as he is the host of Coastal a which airs every Saturday on Delaware's 105.9 FM, as well as the host of Coastal Cuisine and the Arts Entertainment Report, which airs on NBC affiliate WRDE. So welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm super psyched to have you on the podcast because, um, I guess a little inside baseball, I was one of the judges for the Rehoboth Beach uh, Reads Short Story oh. Contest. And uh, when, you know, so we were going through the, we got all these different entries and all this stuff, and your story was in my second round. And um, it was absolutely my favorite in the whole whole entire piece. And uh, well, I was... Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. I, was, I was just so in love with the story. Your story's titled Some Girls. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I don't want to give away spoilers or anything, but um, would you tell us a little bit about how you came to, to the story of Ham and his mom and... And how kind of where the inspiration for that story kind sure. of was born. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I, I The whole thing, it's really sort of biographical, actually. I mean, I, I took little bits and pieces of, so in 19, the, the, the story takes place in 1978. Okay. And Ham wakes up on his 13th birthday, which happens to be the first day of summer in 1978. I turned 13 in 1978, and I have a much younger brother that was born on that day, the first day of summer in 1978. And it just sort of goes from there. I started using people and references, you know, from that time period and, and sort of, it just sort of expanded from there, really. And one of the things, we've talked about this a couple of times on the show, one of my challenges, especially in fiction, is I'm afraid that either it'll sound too made up or it won't sound made up enough. You know, like yeah. like I, I, I worry <laughs> that I'm I'm... When I, when I borrow from reality, if I borrow too closely, then I feel like a fraud. And if I don't buy, borrow from closely enough, then my readers will know that I'm a fraud. So like, how do, you, how do you kind of walk that line when you're like pulling different parts out of different lives and days to put into, together into a story? Well, you know, the, the main thing when I was writing that story was I, I was there in 1978. So I, I had a lot of memories to base it on. Um, I grew up in a family that didn't have a lot of money, like like this particular um, uh, the characters in this. They were was sort of a uh, you know everybody worked, everybody was sort of always uh, pinching pennies and trying to figure out you know the way to get ahead. It was a very you know I grew up in, in a small town in Kentucky, which is very different than the character that grows up here in Lewis. Mm. But Lewis was very different in 1970. I did a lot of research about what it was like to be here at that time. And I talked to a lot of different people, and I started reading a lot. And um, I, I guess I connected with the character on that level. Um, and and I just sort of went with what felt right to me, what felt true. And I had one of those, in the story, 
you know, the, the, Some Girls is in reference to the Rolling Stones album right. that came out that year. And I wanted that album, you know, and I was trying to figure out how to get the money. You know, I was doing odd jobs around the neighborhood just, you know, to, to make it. So I, it, it sort of just felt very natural to me at that time. And I think maybe that's why this story kind of coalesced in such a such a genuine and believable way. I know as I was doing sort of the first blush through it, I mean, one of the things that kind of captivated me was, so the, the contest is Rehoboth Beach Reads. So we know that these are going to be beach reads, and we know that there's going to be... And, and so a lot of folks kind of took a similar tack, you know, with, you know, it's, you know, Thrasher's French fries and Fisher's popcorn, mm. and everything was sort of very light, and, and, and I totally got that. But what I loved about your story was we just kind of... You just took a, a totally different spin on that, you know, beach reads component. And again, I don't want to like spoil the ending or anything like that, but I just remember feeling at the end of it that it was just such a sweet story. And I, I just, I just fell in love with it. So thank you very much. And so so, (laughs) I appreciate that. And I remember we met at the, the the launch and I remember, didn't you say that was, this is the first writing contest that you you've entered. Yeah. It was the first writing contest. In fact, is it crazy to say it was the first short story. I actually had ever written. I know that sounds sort of <laughs> just right. like striking gold first yeah, right like, out. Oh, right, I'll just go for it. You know, um, I'd re- I had been writing uh, a lot of my professional career, but my career's always been in the arts, and most of the things that I wrote, blog entries. I, I worked as a journalist for a while for, for for different print publications, and of course, I work in the arts and have you know since I was much younger than I am now. <laughs> So you start thinking along those terms. And I would start, you know, coming up with a story. Of course, my, most of my background is in painting. And my paintings, are I like they're very narrative. You know, I, I, the paintings that I create are based on old vintage photos that I find. I do my own treatment of them. And part of that is creating a story in your head. Um, part of the work that I do as well, there's a lot of collage. I collect old postcards, magazines, maps, ephemera, as it's called. Right. And a lot of times you're putting a story together. So I, you know, I, I didn't, Nancy Sakadusky, who's phenomenal. Who, oh, she's who's wonderful. Phenomenal person. And, and gosh, she's done so much. Um, I, I had interviewed her for the, the Arts and Entertainment Report uh, maybe a year or two previously. And I knew about the contest. I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. I'm just going to sit down and sort of create something based on a lot of my own personal experiences. And it just started flowing out, you know. Yeah. Well, inhabiting that kind of feeling is is where it starts, I think, right? And again, not a, not a knock against the people that bring out uh, Thrasher's French fries or Coors. No, I don't want to knock right. that at all. Oh, no, yeah. I, no, that, no, that wasn't delicious. my comparison. <laughs> no, <laughs> trust me. I gr- I was born and raised here. I right. love that stuff. I didn't mean it that way. No, I just no, no, meant right. it was a there's different, the, there's different fries and you know, There's the old Thrasher fries in the story that, yes. as well. So it's an, it's a an part of it. So, oh my gosh, it's, 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 it's landmark. But the idea of just first inhabiting the idea of being at the beach and going from there rather than trying to imprint the idea, imprint being at the imprint a story uh, about something else at the beach. I think that's, I think that's what makes it more authentic. Like you, you, as you were saying with, with the photos, you start with, you start with the sense of the story and then kind of let it come out. Was that? I got to tell you quite honestly, because I, it was so, I relate all my, I guess my writing, I've been writing furiously since, (laughs) since I went, it opened a whole new world for me. Um, painting is very similar. I, I can only relate it to painting, um, acting. I've done a lot of theater 
it, it's an, it's involving, it's, it's finding a character really. Mm. And you know, my paintings are, are based on their, their figurative pieces. So when I'm painting this piece the whole time, I'm, I'm like, what's this person's story? What's going on in the set? I have a very close friend who's an artist and, and he and I do a lot of work together. We're constantly like painting out what's the story? What's the story here? When I started writing that short story, I, I wasn't thinking about the beach connection. I was thinking about it. Like it starts off. This isn't really giving it spoiler. I'm like, sure. I'm not, yeah. no, I'm not talking <laughs> I about the yeah. story. Yeah. You're no, like, you I don't want to give away right. a spoiler. Well, I, but, yeah. you know, no, I hear you. It's the your story. Wakes, you the do the, the kid wakes up in the middle of the night. You know, he wakes up from, from, a, from a bad dream. And, and he starts listening to, um, he hears a sound in the middle of the night. It's a motorcycle driving. Another. When I was a kid. There, and there was a train that you could hear. It was far away, but in the middle of the night, I would wake up and I would hear this train off in the distance. That and I loved, I loved that sound. And the idea to me of waking up and I'm like, I'm going to put this here. I'm going to see what happens. Oh, where, where does he live? Well, I live in, he lives in Lewis. You know, what could happen that would, that would flesh it out? It, it's, it's slightly related to some things that I went through when I was a much younger uh, man. Um, in the, my, my parent, my, my parents died when they were pretty young. So, so my mother, my mother was 52 when she died. Um, my father died nine years later, but I, my brother at the time was, was I think eight or nine. Wow. So wow. I was, I was putting that into what it was like thinking about, you know, as a, a little boy mm. with a parent who he wasn't connected to, which is in the story as well. And, and what that was like. And because I was there as a witness to that, I was, you know, was helping to raise him at the time that my mother w- was, was dying. Um, I was able to put all those things into this. And, and, and the connection to the beach just sort of organically came. You know, what would a kid do that doesn't have a lot of money, that is living sort of vicariously through any type of happy event that he can find to make his life like everyone, all the kids that don't seem to have those issues. Right. And, the, and it just it just sort of jumped off from there really and i thought one of the things that you did very successfully with this story is it's a short story contest right so you've got a very small amount of time to tell a complete story and i was going through and that was one of the things that you know as as a judge as i was looking for things okay the name of this contest is short story contest and so i was looking for the elements of a short story and you know when it came to your piece i was like it's all there. It was all like just like prettily packaged up. And, and I think that was one of the things that it wasn't just the, the emotional uh, kind of pull or, or the ability for you to kind of reach me as a, as a, you know, I had sympathy, I had empathy and I was kind of invested in the character. But then I was like on a technical aspect, home run. All you right. know, well, so. thank you. I just, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a, I, I read, I, I'm a religious reader of the New Yorker and have been for years and they have a brilliant short stories in the New Yorker. And, and that's the majority of my reading and has been every, every issue, every week, how come, you know, comes a new New Yorker and they have these incredible short stories. And it, it, it to me, there's a flow in a short story. Um, you guys know, because you, 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 you interview people, you're, you're in the, the same, you're MMJs, multimedia journalists, right? That's, that's the actual term. So there's a flow in a conversation. And, and, and I think that, that when people are re- in fact, I have a very close friend, uh, who lives in Kentucky. We, we grew up together and he, he read the story and he said, in my head, I'm hearing this in your voice. And to me, that was very telling because people start listening either to the if they know the person that's written it right they inevitably say okay well this is going to be the narrator of the story or they put in their own voice and there is a rhythm and flow into into things so 
And there, of course, was a 3,500 word limit yes. to the short story, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which was, I had to keep going back, removing, right. removing, removing. I had other characters popping in. Um, you know, at one point I'm like, oh, no, okay, sorry, sorry, grandma, you're out. Of the, you, know, you had to like cut certain things out. Yeah, which wasn't right. which was an interesting learning lesson for me. But well, it kind of feels like a little bit like about painting. You know, that you have to get to the essence of the thing. You kind of have to. And as we we talked to a, a poet who was in the New York Times Magazine, Christopher Salerno, and he was talking about with his poetry, it's about distillation. It's about getting down to the very essence. And I think maybe you were finding a little bit of that with the 3,500 word limit. Like yeah. I've still got to, I've got to like refine it down. It's, it's still got to ratchet down. I've got to move it down to like the most essential components. Yeah. It's was not it? easy. I, I, it's uh, Oh gosh. What was, there was a quote I read today. Uh, I probably can't even repeat it here on the radio show. <laughs> and, and I think it was Hemingway who said that all first drafts are, and they you know he used a, an explicit, an explicit, I can't even say it. Uh. So it makes it, you know, I would go back and reread it, go back and reread it. Look, when I wrote that story and I entered that contest, I had no idea, no idea that it was even going to be. I just thought, oh, I'm done. Right. I, I literally waited to the last minute. I sent it in. I wrote two stories. Um, the first one, I, I was done with that. And, and you know, when when you work in in the arts and the creative arts, you constantly feel the need to, to be doing something. At least that's how I am. I'm driven. I'm painting. I'm writing. I'm this. I'm that. You know, and then you walk away from it. At least for me, I make a painting. I walk away from it. I don't really think about it anymore. That's done. It's off my plate. Mm. When I got the call from Nancy, I thought she was calling about being on the Amy report. Right, and I'm yeah. like, hey, Nancy, how's it going? I had no clue. And I, I was gobsmacked. You know, when, when she told me that the, not only was I in the book, but that I had won the grand prize. I, what? You know, <laughs> perhaps you've dialed the wrong number. I, you, know, you need to, to check it out. So, I, you know, I, I, I loved it. I loved the process. The, the, my big takeaway from it was that um, I felt like that, that I discovered a new, a new world where, you know, people can just jump in and start writing and, and, and what a great segue for anybody, you know, mm. wants to, to explore writing. It's just to try this con. I mean, you have nothing to lose. Well, and what's, what's good about both the deadline and the limit is that there's a deadline and there's a yes, limit. Yes, deadlines are important. <laughs> and so yes, they are. Nothing, nothing. You know, we 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 joke about this often because I have I have actual, as you do, actual deadlines, and nothing. I, I like to tease. Nothing will cure writer's block than like don't finish it, but then we won't pay you. <laughs> what? <laughs> that will that will make writer's block go away yeah, very very quickly. Exactly. Um, but this idea that you have this kind of self-contained story, like it wants what makes. I think the the contest so appealing is this idea that you have to make it self-contained. It can't be a chapter that you had lying around and you can't go back and mess with it over and over and over again. Cause I think a lot of times writers will tinker and tinker and Absolutely. tinker until someone takes it away from them. And with no deadline, they will tinker, you know, they'll tinker a 2,500, uh, 3,500 word story into a 350,000 word story, right? Or or into a seven oh, word yeah. story well, or, or into a poem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to I honestly quite say that I think that, that my my work as a, as a visual artist, as a painter, prepped me for, for that. I mean, I, I, you know, I have known about the contest for two or three years before I actually entered it. And I wasn't writing i wasn't sitting down furiously writing every weekend i i just said oh well remember last one was really bad it sucked 
And so everyone's <laughs> sort of stuck inside. They think this winter was bad, but last winter was terrible. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I, when you paint, people say, well, how do you know when the painting's done? I get that all the time. How do you know when to stop painting? Well, you eventually, you just, you just know when you go in your first gut yeah. instinct. It, this is You're done. You're not going to fix it. You're not going to fix it. So, so it's just, in my opinion, with that story, this is it. There's a beginning and middle and end. I will go back and tweak it if I need to. And then I did, of course. You know, you have to go back and, and, and edit and remove certain things. And as you said, sort of create the flow and the rhythm. But if you listen to your instinct, it'll say, this is done. You know, you got to step right. away from it. The story's told, you know. Yeah, and and you were mentioning editing. Um, in that process, so once you were announced and, and she says, okay, you're the winner, wasn't there one more round of polishing that sort of yes, kind absolutely. of went over top of that before publication? Yes, there, yeah. there's... there's um, some definitely grammatical editing, which right. is <laughs> always helpful. Oh, that's a parenthesis. It goes there. Okay, you know. So there's there is that, and there were a few things. Absolutely, and that was that was one of the things that was uh, so helpful about that. You know, they they, they have professional editors. It's, it's a professional publishing company, right? And they sit down with you, and you learn that process. You know um, how how it works. There's an exchange back and forth. Of uh, until the uh, the final, I guess uh, uh, the final short story is completely print ready at that point, and that was a big learning experience for me as well, which I loved. I loved. I, I saw new things I had not seen before. Well, there's nothing like an editor. We we've said this a, a million times because the best thing about an editor is like if you if they don't get you. They're your audience. <laughs> like, yeah. you can't say, well, you just don't understand. It's like, yeah, no, that's the point. I don't understand. You have to make me understand. You're the author. I'm the editor. Your job is to make me understand. My job is to tell you when you're not being clear or when you missed an opportunity. And that back and forth only improves you as a writer, I think, over time. I agree. I wish I had an editor that just lived here in the art studio all the time. <laughs> guys come out and give them wine and cheese every now and then just like, i mean i would sign up for that job i mean <laughs> I, heard, I heard wine and yeah, cheese yeah, like um, hey stephanie res- what are you doing this weekend you hey, out and edit my turns my out stories? <laughs> i'm good with that oddly enough my my editor tends to often be my wife is usually at least my first editor and something you said before made me think of is she'll either come back and say this doesn't sound like you or this sounds like you like that's her like if she can hear me reading it then it's good and if she can't hear me reading it then i'm trying too hard and i I suffer from trying too hard a lot. No, I think, see, you just said something that I think is very interesting. This doesn't sound like you. So when you're writing, is it, does it need, is it you? Yeah. Is it, I mean, so that's an important thing. Yeah. So you're not like stepping into, I mean, that, because I'm still sort of, I'm, you know, relatively new to a lot of this. So when it comes to like fleshing out these characters, I know it's, it's your... Well, if, if, if you think about it, if you, again, uh, related to painting, uh, it's just finding your voice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So your paintings look like your paintings. There's nothing that, like, if you paint something that doesn't look like your painting, oh, I get you probably it. didn't do your best work. Right on. Right? Yeah, I and, agree. and That's so, a great analogy. Yeah. I mean, that's and, great. And so that's how she is. She's like, all right, I can hear you, you know. You know, she stopped. She stopped worrying about my inability to spell a long time ago. But she's like, I, I, I can hear your voice. It sounds fine. I didn't get this. And if she doesn't get it, or if she can't hear my voice, then it's my responsibility to fix it. And that's a, what you know. That's what the the gem of working with an editor is for. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the beautiful things about what Nancy has been able to pull together. I mean, that is a professional public. I mean, they've got a professional outfit. Absolutely. There. I mean, Absolutely. and so she knows. She's got the eye for all the elements that she needs. And so when you can just sort of implicitly trust her and that process, and I think that probably 
I'm going to assume maybe provided some comfort level for you to say, Absolutely I'm did. just going to turn myself over because yeah. I trust Nancy. I'm going to trust that she knows what she's doing because she obviously knows what she's doing. Right, yeah. And, yeah. you know, this isn't her first rodeo by any stretch. No. So did that kind of help that comfort level for Absolutely you? Absolutely it did. Absolutely it did. You know, once um, that process started and, and it was a, it was a great learning experience for me and uh, I loved it. I loved every yeah. second of it. And yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. I totally trusted what she, her suggestions, and and you know, we're gonna, it was fine tuning. Yes. is what it came down to. Yeah, because some writers are resistant to that. You know, it's like there are some people that you know they oh, had yeah. a vision and like this is exactly what How I want to say. How dare you tell me what to put on the <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, you <laughs> I'm know, not one of those guys. Never. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. there's some people that come at it because they're so invested in it or they're so attached to it that sometimes that editorial voice comes in. And they they resisted, but it sounds like you were just like I'm in for this experience and like in for a absolutely for a totally yeah, yeah without a doubt I, I I wasn't expecting to even get in the book, uh, let alone win grand prize, which still sort like crazy to me. But um, so I was totally open, and and I think in the arts you have to be. Oh yeah, you know you have to be. I, I'm a self taught painter, and and whatever you know I've always been, and of course you know my. Radio show, TV shows. I'm talking to artists all the time, and I love that. You know, tell me what you've learned yourself. I, you know, I, I don't want to. Uh, you know, what experiences have you had that have made you a, a stronger, better, more open artist? I, I think if people build up a wall to that, they're shooting themselves in the foot, in my opinion. Oh, artistically. I, I would totally agree. Yeah, you you have to go forward. You get so you get bored really quick. Like you do, if you're doing the same thing, you're, you're going to get bored. If you're not, if you're not going to make a mistake, if you're not going to push yourself, it just gets, it gets tedious. You know, that's what, when you, so you, I don't, I, I, I used to do hard news is kind of, uh, not quite the word here, but you know, I used to do like regular, like council meetings and stuff like that. And you just want to cut your fingers off after a while. Because <laughs> the, the stories are the same that's and quite you're telling <laughs> And you're telling them in the same way, and yeah. it's tedious. And if you're going to grow, yeah. then you have to you have to get beyond that. And that's that. I mean, it's about finding your voice and then pressing your voice. I think absolutely, I would think so. Yeah, without a doubt, you want to. Um, I, every these the stories that I've written since that particular story, uh, I just keep connecting it back to anything I've done in the art. Theater had a lot to do with it. Mm. You know, I did a lot of theater when I was younger. I started doing theater when I was like 12, 11 or 12 years old. You're stepping into another character. So, and I'm writing fiction. So, so you know, that in fact, one of the things that we were talking about earlier when a director is like, mm, uh, I want to see more of this. I want to see less of this. You, you have to step outside of yourself. You can't say, well, this, I right. personally think that this character wouldn't do that. Nobody gives not your job. Uh, <laughs> a flying freak about right. you know, right. That's not what you're there to do. You, you're there to make people think that you're this other person. Right. And, you know, I watch a lot of film as well. So, so sometimes you think, well, you know, here, here's a, a movie starring some, let's say, Meryl Streep as this person, as this person, as this person. You have to be able to leap over that wall of, of, uh, stunted believability and believe that is that person. Right. It's not Meryl Streep being that person. It is that person. And I think that that if you channel that type of energy, if you open yourself up to being just creative, it doesn't matter if you're painting or writing or, or basket weaving, whatever you want to do, you're going to find that voice. Right. You know, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said for, we talked to a lady recently who put together a book of art uh, about Delmarva 
And I am not an artist. I can't, I mean, stick figures are really sort of the, I can't even do that. I mean, I'm not great at that at all. But what, what I found in the book was that she was talking to, you know, artists, glass blowers, sculptors, you know, oil painters. I mean, all these different people that there were these sort of nuggets about the creative process, about artistic inspiration that I really felt applied across the board. So me as a non-artist, I'm not a painter, but here's a woman saying, put yourself in front of the canvas every single day and you do the work every single day and you come. And so it kind of reminded me of, you know, yeah, that's what I do every day. I come to the page. I come to the page ready to do the work. Absolutely. You know, and some days it's not great, but it's not ever going to be great if you don't ever get there. Yeah. Yeah. I I read a, a quote today from Sylvia Plath. Okay. Who said that the the uh, I'm not going to be able to fair paraphrase this yeah. quote, <laughs> but but that self doubt was the biggest, basically the biggest killer of the arts. I mean that that's what will kill creativity is self doubt. So if you just go into any creative project with an open mind, you know I, I think as you just said, I think that all people that work, I'm one of these guys is like everyone's an artist because I think everyone has a creative vein. If you can't draw stick figures, but you're a damn good writer. What's the difference in the end? You know, you're 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 making something that brings beauty and joy and creativity in the world, and that is so important, especially in the world that we live in today. Um, I've spent my entire career working in the arts, one way or the other, because I knew that it was something that I enjoyed and that and that I was you know halfway good at, and I felt like, well, this is what I need and have to do. And people that get intimidated by that. It's, it's a shame because because there's so many great people out there that could be doing... I, I was talking to a guy the other day. He makes duck decoys. And I realized there's a whole world behind, yeah. behind this. Oh, yeah. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. And they're creating these beautiful, intricate, hand-carved sculpting pieces out of wood so they right. can, you know, bring some ducks to the pond and shoot them. But there's... <laughs> a, it's like, what? There's yeah. So, so yeah. So, on that level, I, I, I think... Um, it's just about being creative and about and about exploring that creativity, not being afraid of it, and just sort of jumping into it. Absolutely. And so, have you started like submitting stuff? Have you have you kind of started looking around for other places to submit? Are you are you preparing things for I, other well, contests? Well, I've not. I I did, however, I did create two eBooks, two uh-huh. little short. I took the, the story because Nancy was very. Um, forthright and clear in a very positive way about like, look, you can do whatever you want with this story. You know, it's been in the book and we, and she, one of the things that, that she's um, uh, fortunately uh, very adamant about is I'm not keeping the rights to this story. You know, we have first rights right. publication, but it's yours to so do what you want. So I published a, an ebook of, of a short story. And then the, the second one that I submitted um, uh, called Rain or Shine, I tweet that. And put that out there. So I'm sort of exploring that. I, I haven't, I will probably do that. Mm. You know, I, I'm writing two or three different things right now at the same time, which is sort of crazy. I'm not sure if I recommend that, but you, well, know, you, 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 you like anything else, you go back to it. Like yeah. some things, when you can't get something done, as long as you have something else to work on, then you're not, then you're not wasting your time. So you can, yeah, just dabble and go back and just add a little bit to each until you, until you finish. It doesn't have to be all. 
I don't think. I mean, I've no, I've written I've very done few that things, and I mean, the only thing I've ever written in one sitting is like a newspaper article. Like, <laughs> again, it is due now. Right. <laughs> you get one sitting to write. I got it. five minutes. <laughs> no, I've done that before. Like, I, there's a fiction story that um, you know, whenever I'm what I'm currently working on, if I kind of hit a roadblock or I'm just kind of exhausted by it, um, instead of stopping writing. I just turn around and I just pick this other thing up, which is fiction, and I can just kind of kind of continue to do the work, continue to build the muscles and, and do all that. And then by the time I kind of run out of steam on that, I can kind of turn my attention back and kind of come back with a little bit of a fresh perspective. And so for me, moving between nonfiction and fiction sometimes is just enough of a break from one to the other to kind of kind of re-spark you know yeah. sure and, and yeah. it's a great exercise i would imagine yeah I, well I, I like to think it is i'm not sure yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my non-fiction is much better than yeah. my fiction i'll tell you that well but you want to tell stories sometimes that you don't have to research <laughs> yes that you <laughs> get me, to make up it really I, I i had no no disrespect to any fiction writer out there because i've never published a word of fiction uh, but there is like, you know what? I don't want to have to know about anything right now. I just want to, what would, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And then you run that out. And that's why a lot of my fiction is garbage that nobody gets to see. But it's also, I need to get this, I need to deal with this thought. And I'm not going to be able to deal with it in an essay. I'm not going to be able to deal with it in nonfiction. So why don't I trot this out? Wouldn't it be cool if this happened? And then at the end, no, actually, it wasn't that cool. I'm glad no one has to see this. <laughs> It will never see the light of day. Everybody. But I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier, and you're talking about you did research by listening to a lot of music. Yes. From the 60s for a nonfiction piece that you're listening to. Yes. Which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, that was something that there was, um, the first time I did it was I was writing a story about, it was a 1940s murder uh, thing that happened, and I was just trying to get into the mood of it, because 1940 clearly is not a era i know and um so i started I, like i just went online i just downloaded like duke ellington and you know glenn miller and i just started downloading like all of these you know old radio shows and i just listened to them and i would kind of have those kind of playing in the background and i kind of felt like it helped kind of frame me in a different it just kind of was like okay this is gonna be kind of the kind of the vibe of things yeah. and i don't know i mean it's not like i incorporated that into it but it just kind of setting i think that's important every, every time i paint every time i write i have music playing in the background that's usually inspirational to some degree especially when i paint but because I, I a lot of my paintings are based on old photos from the 1920s 30s and 40s and so i like that sort of mood. smoky jazz yeah. thing you oh, know yeah. mood and when i was writing this piece which uh, the, the 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 one that that um some girls. It takes place in 1978, so it was easy to find. You know, yeah. right. go back and like, oh, I remember this. I remember that. You know, you're you're finding reference points. I, I think that that to me, that tool of being inspired by another art form is very. It's important. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't write with music. I just, I'm I'm a I'm a reluctant writer. So if I can find a reason to say I'm too distracted to write, then that'll be fine. I don't, I don't, it doesn't need to be a good reason, but if it's a reason, oh no, I can't, I can't. Write. Oh, the, the dog has to yeah. go out. So, yeah. so I, I have to write in the, in the wee small hours of the morning in absolute silence is the only time I can you, get you it. You write in absolute silence? Oh yeah, absolute silence. I couldn't do wow. it. Wow. Yeah, four o'clock in the morning, except for the 
train up the block. That's the only that's the only thing I can hear. Well, see the train up the block. Is it? No. And then I'm like, <laughs> I have to move. The next time I get a house, there's no train because I can't concentrate because that train is running and running. Around. I find music is a nice jump start. You know, like there was a mo- there was a morning recently, and I think I even sent you an email, Tony. Like there was a morning I sat down on my computer. You know, it was like five thirty in the morning. I'm sitting. I'm ready to do my thing. And uh, it just, um, that cursor was just blinking at me. And I thought, oh my gosh. And I could feel the panic start to rise, like in the self-doubt going, you're not going to do this. You're no good at this, blah, blah, blah. You know, you kind of hear that kind of rising up. So I just grabbed a pair of earbuds, stuck them in, and I just like turned on, I just like pulled up iTunes, turned on a song. And immediately, I kind of just, like it kind of washed away. And like very slowly, it was like that train starting. I was like, chick, 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 chick. And next thing I knew, like I was like halfway through the paragraph and I was like, oh. I don't. I don't have to have a panic attack today. Yeah, I can. It's all good. I can. I can just do the thing, right? And yeah. you know, so it was kind of like a, a panic killer. So, but no, I think that, like you said, another being inspired by another art form. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that we're as artists, as creative types, we draw like we feed on creativity, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So, you know, there have been times where during this podcast, you know, I talk to other creative people and I go home and I'm just, I, all I want to do is write because I'm, I, you feed off that creative yeah. vibe from, from other creative types. And so I think I've kind of, I was, agree with that. That's why I think if, if anybody feels any type of creative inkling whatsoever, do it. I, I can't tell you how many times people, oh, well, you know, I've always wanted to paint, but I've been intimidated. I've been writer. I've been intimidated. What? What? I just don't get that. What's the worst that can happen? You write a short story. Maybe it's maybe nothing happens. You've you've created this thing. Maybe you go back to it. You write something else. Maybe you start painting. I just do not understand that. There's a that's m- just me, but well, there's this there's this myth that it's that like you have it or you don't. One of the things that Stephanie and I talk about a lot is people don't respect practice. They're just like, well, I'm just not inspired. Well, again, get get to work and the inspiration yeah. will come or it won't. But I, I think a lot of times people are just, they're they're happy to not have to know that the first one, I mean, except present company, except- I know, we just- the, the Steps up the one. plate and knocks a home the run. The first you know? one isn't generally gonna be great. Still not sure about it. <laughs> but no, I think, I think there's something to be said for, you know, if you're just waiting for inspiration to strike, you're gonna wait an awful long time and if you're not, if you haven't built up the muscle memory, if you haven't True. built up the techniques True. and the stamina for it, inspiration's going to hit and it's going to be lost on you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, I would I would imagine it's like painting or theater or anything else. Like, you, you have to know the rules and the techniques and so that when it does hit, you know you know how to handle yeah, it. Absolutely. No. So when I say, you know, I mean, yes, it does happen to be weirdly true that <laughs> the first actual short story that I wrote did win Grand Prix. You know, I, I have been, as I said, I've been working in the arts for over a quarter of a century. And, and I've read a lot of great short stories and, and I've, you know, the theater and art. That all means something. I mean, that is, it's not like I just jumped off the right. the back of the turnip truck. You know, and like, <laughs> you, well, you do, you do, you, do have the, you have the creative muscles built up. Yeah, exactly. You know so how it's to important. Make stuff. Yes, yes. Yes. So, 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 and, and, and as I said before, because we all, right now, what we're doing right now is talking in front of microphones. We all are doing the same thing. We all know what this experience is like, and we've been doing it for a while. So you, 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 you sort of, merge into the traffic so to speak it's not like oh look i've got my driver's permit i'm gonna drive to new york city you know that that's a whole different 
ball of wax. So you do take all those experiences and you fine tune them into something. But when it comes to short, well, at least short story writing, I haven't so far jumped on anything larger than that. It is a lot of reaching into your own experiences, in my opinion, and just mm. finding a way to put them on paper. And, you know, I, w- I was I have a friend of mine the other day. The woman's a phenomenal woman. She's almost 80 years old. She's like, oh, well, Michael, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about taking some, I, I, I've been wanting to write and I just can't get, I just can't get past it. This woman's had this phenomenal life. And you know, she'll sit there and tell me these stories that are amazing that I want to write about. Right. And I'm like, just do it. Just sit down and do it. You know, just put it on the paper. Who cares if, if it's grammatically correct? Who yeah. cares? Right. If there's a flow. That's what editors are for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need the editor that's living in my studio that I'm feeding wine and cheese to. Come over sometime. You know, I, I, I just, I, I can't stress enough to, to people, in my opinion, how important it is to just take that leap to not be intimidated by any creative project. Because I, I personally think that the more that, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're writing or painting or, or acting or singing or any of those things, oh my gosh, it's such a great relief. It's so good for the soul and the psyche to just do it. And, and the people that say, I don't do any of this. Well, that may or may not be true. I mean, we've all met people, I've met people that are like, I, I don't, I'm not an artist, but I love the arts. And that's great. They're the ones who buy the books and the paintings right. and you know the theater tickets. We need those people, but at least they're honest about their admiration and their support for yeah, it. But to sit back in the shadows and do nothing is ridiculous. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, Stephanie, now is a part of the show where you thank the guest. Thank you so much for being on podcast. This has been my pleasure. So What's Your Story was produced by Saltwater Media, an indie book publisher in Berlin, Maryland. Visit us at SoWhatYourStoryPodcast.com where you can find past episodes, guest bios, show notes, and all sorts of fun stuff. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Radio Public, and Stitcher Radio. And if you like, then feel free to give us a good review. Tell your story.